What's up, party people? We're back to Ring Giants podcast, number 197 this time around. My name is Farhad. I'm the host that loves you most, and I'm joined by Rav. Buddy, how are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm surprisingly good, all things considered. Oh, all right. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, we've got a lot to discuss. Obviously, this mm-hmm. episode will be uh, dedicated to the last night's Champions League clash with PSG. Very interesting. A lot to talk about. Um, ways to reach us at Juve Podcast on Twitter, at Turin Giants on Twitter, at Turin Giants on Instagram. Instagram has been has been going crazy with the reels. We started we've started uh, posting a lot more content, and you know, thanks to all who joined and found out about our podcast through Instagram. Um, yeah, you know. I'll, I'll do a little producing today. We're supposed to be joined by joined by Chris, Mister Inconvenient he just Truth. He said oh, he's he? coming on now. He's just top of oh, hopped off awesome. of work call, and uh, he's on his way. So, well, as always, I, I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your day to record, and all of you listeners. As I always say, there's so much stuff you can listen to, and thank you for choosing us for about an hour or so to to vent. This one, this is this. <laughs> This doesn't really fall into a therapy category yet, but it's definitely a, 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 an episode where you can vent and maybe hear, hear us talk about uh, what went down and agree or disagree and drop your comments. Uh, we have a couple of comments from our um, Twitter followers as well. I don't think we'll get a lot of time to discuss those, but I'll, I'll read them throughout the show. That's why I like having the third person on because you guys can talk amongst each other <laughs> and I can do the producing baby. Um, hold on, hold on. Rav, let's introduce you again. Okay. The crowd loves it. <laughs> we'll do the same when, when Chris comes along. Um, while he, all right, all right, that's enough out of you. <laughs> uh, while we're waiting for Chris, um, Rob, I didn't really want to start with discussing football right away. I know you got a lot on your mind as far as your, as far as your, your viewing. There's a couple of shows that you wanted to talk about. Um, what you watching? Yeah. Tell us. But, well, there's two at the moment. They, they're both kind of the same sort of stuff. And, you know, I, I know it's not to everyone's taste. But, you know, I love all that kind of fantasy bullshit, and, you know, dragons and people fighting with swords, all that kind of stuff. It can be super entertaining. But, um, yeah, the, uh, the one that I've been watching is um, House of the Dragon, which is which if you like all that kind of Game of Thrones type stuff, that's mm-hmm. um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's it's violent. There's like I say, there's freaking dragons in there. There's people fighting with swords it's just it's great entertainment you know like if you if you watch a uv game and you get frustrated you just want to kind of you know like just switch now off is just... is is amelia clark in that one because that's the reason i've been no. watching no, no she's, she's not, not. Well, i'm out there sorry um, <laughs> i don't believe it. It, it's it's still good there's a lot of um there's a lot of like british actors and it's uh yeah it's really entertaining yeah. i would recommend what about the other what about the other show the the one that amazon decided to to uh <sighs> they took off the ratings because I, I don't know if people are happy about that one 
it's that that one is the rings of power and they, i think they kind of based it on sort of various aspects of like the hobbit um books and lord of the rings and it's like a like a prequel to all that kind of stuff and i don't know i i, I like it i don't think it's anything don't love it. particularly special i don't love it. it it's entertaining enough you can watch it there's some good stuff it, you know like if you like the lord of the rings films you know it kind of ties in with that and it sort of takes you back to that time and that place a little bit and it's a nice bit of escapism but yeah it's, oh, it's all right it is what it is I, you know what would be cool i was just thinking like you know what i would rather watch than than that fantasy kind of stuff i really yeah. like tarantino obviously you know scorsese how yeah. awesome would it be if tarantino uh released a 10-part series instead oh. of instead of just a movie <laughs> you know his films are amazing i mean i i don't i don't miss a single tarantino movie but yeah i'm the same I sh- I, if you picked a topic he could discuss for 10 10 episodes yeah an hour each how awesome would that I be think, right yeah I think he he talked about wanting to do a Star Wars film, uh, not Star Wars, sorry, Star Ooh. Trek, because I think he's a, he's a bit of a Trekkie, and uh, he talked about wanting to do a film, and I could see him doing a, a TV series along those lines. Like if they mm. really sort of went, you know what, let's just let him do it his way, and if he had you know like carte blanche to just do whatever he wanted to do, I think he could he could make anything. He's such a brilliant filmmaker, you know. He turns his hand to anything. Yeah, isn't it, I would, isn't I would it Trekker? That. I don't think they like to be called Trekkies. Oh really? The Star Trek know. fans, yeah. yeah. What are we? <laughs> oh, sure. speaking, speaking of that, speaking of Star Wars and Star uh, Star Trek, I was hanging out with our friend Giovanni. By the way, he says hi. He's um he's a busy man. I've been been trying to get him on a podcast. He's just he's just way too busy. He misses doing a podcast, and we miss our uncle Gio. Um, we had like a four hour lunch together. We we actually went bar hopping afterwards. Got got trashed. Uh, it's fun. It's fun to drink with Giovanni. He knows all the coolest, coolest spots. So, anyways, so I see him like a new tattoo on his gigantic biceps, and I like to pull it up, and I'll post it on Twitter later. He's got a big old Star Wars tattoo with it. Oh, you saw it, right? I sent the picture yeah. also. Yeah, the <laughs> big old Millennium Falcon <laughs> on his Falcon. shoulder, yeah. and, and then on his chest. It continues, man. Um, um, can can you? <laughs> Can you talk about something while I send Chris his, uh, man? I can talk about, uh, let me talk about, I don't know, uh, other TV shows. I can tell you other great TV shows. Everyone should watch uh, Gamora. Everyone should watch that show. I don't, know if, um, I don't know if people got put off because it's not like English language, but if you love Italy, if you love sort of the culture and just kind of i know it's set in naples and people would be you know like uh, watch out liverpool 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 (laughs) help desk might hear you how about how about sorry to interrupt but i actually chris is chris is joining Hmm. uh you've ever been to naples Hmm. i haven't it's it's been on my list i've been to a few different cities in in italy but i've never made it all the way down south it's the next place i want to go to to be honest yeah yeah no i've heard amazing things it's just a city with energy like nowhere else uh what i'm referring to is i'm sure you've heard about the liverpool twitter uh warning people not to wear liverpool colors outside and and city might be dangerous that's just ridiculous um the the i i may agree with them about the shirts but you don't really have to wear a, a Liverpool jersey. Just like when, when I went to Turin for the first time, uh, mm-hmm. and Maurizio was like, just don't wear, don't wear a Juve jersey. And if you do, just don't be an asshole. 
You know, there's <laughs> there's people that take it very seriously, and you know, yeah. we, we want to protect your tourists. And there's always going to be people who will take that super personally. So, you know, Naples is safe and and beautiful. I'm sure it's. I mean, uh, Sam Sam was just there. I think he's still there. Our our boy Sam. So, yeah. um, I mean, with the utmost respect. <laughs> You can't be from Liverpool and talk about safety. Yeah, like, exactly right. No disrespect, but like Liverpool is not a safe place. Liverpool is kind of a. I don't. I don't want to dump everything into the, the same category. But Liverpool and people from Liverpool shouldn't be talking about safety in Naples. You know, just yeah, get a grip. Seriously. You ever been to? You ever been to Anfield? I haven't been to Anfield. I've been to Liverpool. Didn't really nice. like it. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's cool. We need. We need to ask. Yeah. Well, I, I, that'll be a fun topic to discuss like the stadiums we've been to and mm. like the best atmospheres speaking of atmosphere mm. we we you know psg is is famous for being a quote-unquote oil club and everything but mm. they've their ultras they're they've been around uh <laughs> oh yeah and and they showed it yesterday their their quote-unquote kurosud was um was popping last night Amazing. It's good to see such a crazy atmosphere. So I, yeah. while we're waiting for Beautiful. Chris, let me let me um, let me read the list of cities and countries that have been listening to us. We got a we got a new winner today, man, and by a, oh, by wow. a long shot too. Yeah, United <laughs> Arab Emirates taking the number one spot in the listens. Whoa. Whoever you are out there, thank you so much. And Dubai, uh, as as far as the city, and uh, second as far as cities. Let me just read the cities. You know, that's mm. more fun. Columbus, Ohio, number two. Makkah in <laughs> Saudi Arabia. Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. Sydney, Australia. Singapore, Vancouver, Blockport, uh, Brockport. That's in the U.S. I'm not sure where that is, but, but shout outs to all of y'all. Stockholm, a city named Chelsea in, in America. Oh, we even got a shout out from, from Russia. Very interesting. Detroit. I love the diverse sort of range. I love it. So, oh my god, so it's so crazy. Cities. I'm, I'm just, amazing. I'm, I'm Frankfurt, um, Panama City, Queens, New York. Wow, yeah, I love it so much. Yeah, amazing. you guys are the best. Thank you. Thank you for checking out our our uh, uh, podcast. Um, I don't know where Chris is. He said he'd be on in a minute. Um, let's get started. PSG, Juve. Um, I know the expectations, mm. expectations were, were strange. You know, a lot of people were very hopeful. Maybe we'll get a surprise from our squad and, um, mm. maybe, maybe PSG misunderstood, uh, misunder, underestimated Juve. Uh, unfortunately we were not in for a surprise, right? Uh, first I want to mention the formations. Mm -hmm. Three, five, two was a, was a, Pleasant surprise. I know a lot of people were happy to see three men at the back, five-man midfield, uh, two attackers, which I kind of enjoyed. I, I enjoyed seeing Vlaovic with a little bit of help. Milik was certainly pulling the defenders towards him and, and, and kind of freeing mm -hmm. up Vlaovic. And we'll talk about Vlaovic not getting the service, I'm sure, throughout the podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. What did you think about the formation? A couple of words. Um. I liked it to start off with. I liked it until we conceded. <laughs> let, me, yeah, let me put it that way. It it kind of feels like um, it's it's good to use in in games where you're sort of lacking 
in certain options and obviously we had injuries so we had to be a bit careful about who we fielded but I think I mean this kind of goes into like a bigger rant so I won't I won't go into it just yet but it I think it sufficed for the time being and then when we switched to sort of like a, a more four four two, we kind of went at them a lot more we had a bit more yeah. about us because we were attacking a lot more but it's still it still just bugs me that we have to go couple of goals behind regardless of the formation or a goal behind before we start playing that seems to be a problem that we just have and it seems to be more sort of commonplace and like i said i i, I don't want to go into all that straight away but yeah, yeah real, no, we won't. I, I just <clears throat> no, know, it did. was it was I, I i thought it was worth mentioning like i wrote down all the notes i thought it was worth mentioning the 352 and then the switch was i mean you could see it right away i don't know what what that's all about i am uh by the way i said i forgot to give a shout out to our youtube youtube fellows dash and dave um please check out the post post game live um and the pre-game live dave dave has been doing an amazing job man honestly uh mm-hmm. we got kevin in in turin and he'll be he'll be popping out again. He'll be recording the interviews before the game, and he's a season ticket holder. So we got a, we got a good crew going on YouTube. If you guys don't mind, uh, just stop everything you're doing right now and go on YouTube and please sign up for Turin Giants on um, on YouTube. We've got all sorts of com- uh, content coming and have been delivering. So it's it's been a lot of fun. So um, yeah, Dash is is really good as far as tactics and formations and stuff like that. Um all right, we got we got everything figured out. Everybody say hi to Chris. Hey hey Chris. <laughs> How we doing guys? I'm back again. It's been a little while. I'm gr- I'm glad to be back. It's it's a bit overdue, I would say, at this point too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you think? Yeah, man. Come on. Nice <laughs> received. Uh, yeah i mean this if if people people who don't know people who are not on twitter we're uh uh my two guests or you know hosts by this point uh some of the most knowledgeable people on twitter and if you're not like chris i'm gonna steal your uh your catchphrase if you're not a doomsday juventino uh you follow chris at itruth98 and I'll, of course, link their um, their Twitter accounts when I'm announcing the episode. Chris, good to have you, man. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about this game. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to be here, and I, I'm I'm thrilled and over the moon to hear you use the term Doomsday Juventini. By the way. <laughs> well, well, let's talk about it. You know, since we'll we'll, we'll get into the details. Um, how close are you guys to typing up hashtag Allegri out? Like how, how close are your fingers to the keyboard right now? Um, are you there yet? Speaking, no, definitely not. I'm not there yet. I, I, don't, I think it's more about being pragmatic because I, I can't stand people that do that. It just bugs the hell out of me because it doesn't, doesn't fucking achieve anything. No one pays any attention. No one cares. It's like a, a vacuum. And, um, I have problems and frustrations with Allegri and the, the team, but I can't stand it when people do that stuff. It just drives me crazy. I don't know if no, Chris I mean, feels the same. Many people do go overboard. I mean, you post a like a very active on social media. I post something or someone else posts something that has nothing to do with the coach, and then everything mm-hmm. just trickles down. And then you click on a click on a Twitter, and then 
the the name of the person is literally hashtag Allegri out or or it's just it's just terrible. It's awful. It's there's you know. But yeah. you know what? I am my my hands are really close to the keyboard. I oh, really? I don't I don't like it at all. I don't like <laughs> it at all. Chris, what about you? Look, admittedly, I'm nowhere close to to joining the Allegri out brigade at this point. I, I think it's far too early in the season. And admittedly, I'm so much more focused on results than performance, especially in these early season um, these early season matches. And I, I think a lot of it comes down to expectations as well, too, because I'm not so sure that I've expected a lot more than what we've seen thus far. But obviously, effort, organization, intent, these are things that obviously the manager regardless of what time of season has some say in. So Allegri is not without some criticism at this point, probably a lot of criticism in some areas. For me, though, I think when you contextualize it all, it just makes it a little bit easier to understand why we're playing the way we are and why we we may not be as fluid as we possibly can be a little later in the season. So what's the reason? I know everybody's going to hate it when I say this, but <laughs> frankly, Rav, I think you already know where I'm going with this. But I, I do, buddy. <laughs> I think when you consider how many how many key players are, are absent at the moment, it's so difficult mm. to have that that creative will, that inspiration that you can turn to in a match like yesterday's. And you saw the the value that superior quality adds in the two goals that PSG scored, and so. I don't know where that inspiration comes from in our team as we currently see it. And so although we put up a great effort in the second half was was terrific in comparison to a very dull and bland first half where we were just simply overrun, I see a team that was able to shut it down, weather the storm, and although it didn't look pretty at any point, we were able to find a way to stay in the game, largely with the help of Pettin as well and find a way to, uh, at least up to the last minute, really push for a draw that I feel like we probably deserved, quite frankly. I agree Perrin, with that. Is, is Perrin your guys' man of the match before we get to Rob? It has to be. It has to be. I think he's established himself in this game, as he has been in the previous performances that he's put forth, as the, the obvious number one, at least for the time being. He can't come out of the net right now. I would I would agree with that. I think I think Perrin is is definitely um is definitely number one right now. I don't think I, I know it's kind of difficult when you have a hierarchy and then you have to break that hierarchy to uh, to sort of make a change. But I don't think there's any way that that Chesney, with the injuries that he's had, can sort of realistically justify being um, number one. But just going back to what Chris was saying, I think. There's definitely a part of me that feels sort of understanding because you kind of have to feel understand when you love something, you, you you can't be too harsh on it. You have to kind of be a bit sort of philosophical and say, okay, I can understand the reasons we're missing players. We've got a lot of injuries. We're kind of having to adapt and what have you. The thing that really bugs me more than anything else is I think it's the language and the mentality, which we might touch on more, but it's this whole sort of thing about, and I, I know Allegri doesn't do it intentionally. He's just very sort of honest. And some might say, oh, it's really clever mind games or whatever, but people see through that. All this stuff about, okay, well, Benfica is the game that we need to sort of, you know, aim to win and PSG are the favorites and blah, blah, blah. I get that it's, you know, mind games and, and you're trying to sort of play up to that and try and get in the heads of the opposition, but people see through that. 
don't I just don't like the the kind of discussion and the way that people are talking about Juve at the moment. It just doesn't seem that that kind of language doesn't translate to any kind of cohesion on the pitch for me. Like everyone, everything kind of feels a little bit disjointed. Heads drop really quickly. It takes us, you know, like a goal or two goals uh, conceded before we start playing. And then they get motivated. It just, everything kind of feels like a bit of a mess at the moment. And it doesn't feel like it's all Allegri's fault because I don't think it is. I think he shoulders some of the blame. I think injuries factor into that. I think, players factor into that i think the fact that we couldn't spend as much as maybe we wanted to and the like the chasm in terms of money that other teams can spend and we can't but it's it's just a frustrating time and i uh i don't know i, I was just disappointed by that that game Rob, you, you you brought up something and and chris and and everyone everyone's talking about the second half and how we've, we've improved i don't think i don't think we did that well in the second half i'm sorry the the, there were chances. There, mm. all you had to do. It's just mind-boggling to me, and I, I think I'm, I echo sentiment of a lot of Juve fans on online, where it's like, the, this type of football is not seen anymore, and pair it with a complete lack of motivation. It's just like mm. that second half was just barely acceptable. It was nowhere near, oh, we played better in the second. We played better in the second half comparing to the first one. Um, you know, the runs that go nowhere. Um, thankfully, we got Kostic on the left now where, you know, first touch comparing to Alexandros is a lot better. Uh, mm. There's some kind of trickery. there, But... But that pass forward is just non-existent. I don't understand how a team is supposed to score. Passing, um, passing the ball horizontally, back and forth. And then, and then it just it goes nowhere. That, that last pass, there's no ideas going around. There's, I just don't understand how you're supposed to score if you, if, if you can't get out of your, your own half, which this new new tactic that that allegri decided to 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 start doing where mm. it's it's inviting the pressure from the opposition and and you lose the ball as soon as you cross the halfway line how many times did that happen tell me boys am i wrong am i wrong to no. say where you know it was going between bremer bonucci and whoever else blah 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 and then and then it's just so easy to to dispossess us. It's just one touch, and and PSG would get the ball back, and then they would start again. And then that wave of Messi, Neymar, Mbappe would start again. And we're lucky because first of all, there was a couple of misses that they should have put away. Uh, mm. And then Perrin really helped us out. And Bonucci passing the ball in our own box to Neymar for that volley that could have could have just ended the and it, it would be even more embarrassing and we're sitting here as Juve fans uh celebrating a 2-1 loss I'm I not celebrating I, I, no I mean there, there are a lot of people who are saying well there was a lot yeah. of positives we we went into Paris with no man they, they were not that good at the back that it you just needed to that's the Oh, that's the right? biggest issue for me. So I, I don't want to butt in, but that that no, no, really no, bugged, bugged me to no end because whenever you get into that third, whenever you get into the final third, their defense looked panicked and they looked so disorganized at the back. And I know Donnarumma saved them a couple of times, but when you see that, when you smell blood, if other teams see that with us, which they did last night, they just piled on the pressure and they scored a second game over. 
we had those chances at the start. We just didn't capitalize. And so much of it, like you said, is like side to side passes. It's just sterile possession. Like teams just quickly, really quickly get set back up into their whatever formation they have. And we just pass from side to side to side. And it doesn't, it doesn't really go anywhere. And then the movement off the ball as well, like players trying to occupy space or find space. I think one good thing is, is that we have Paredes now. And I think he's someone Mm -hmm. that's going to be able to do good things you know, once he sort of beds into the team a bit more and we, we settle on the possession, but Chris, what'd you think of him? Of Pedin in particular? Uh, no, uh, uh, Paredes last couple of games, the first, actually the first two games that he played for us. Paredes, excuse me. Okay. I'm getting the P's confused. Um, no worries. (laughs) Paredes in particular, I think had his best game for us. I mean, obviously it was, it's very early days at this point, but we see a, a big jump in terms of what his usage can be. I think he was a lot more reliable and seeing him uh, as we were playing out the back, as we often seem to prefer to do in Europe, I guess, um, was a lot more reliable, a lot more consistent than when we would see, say, Ben Tanker in Porto and seeing a lot more opportunities for him to show that he could diffuse um, some bombs and put out a few fires while playing out the back and be responsible while uh, in distribution. So for me, I think we saw sort of a glimpse at what his value to the team will be in the coming days, coming weeks. And for me, I I, I was very encouraged by what we saw. And I'm already sort of envisioning a 4-3-3 when we're completely healthy, where Pogba and Locatelli can flank Paredes, who can very concretely function as a regista with total uh, immunity in that role. Without having to worry about, uh, you know, forcing Locatelli to be sacrificed playing deeper. And I, I think even to that point, we even saw Locatelli being forward um, and being tasked with playing forward as a result because Paredes could man that position um, himself. So for me, it was a it was a very good showcase of what his usage will be beyond just his performance. But also I thought his performance, particularly in that second half where we where we picked things up a little bit more he was a little bit more influential and I see that um, I, I'm left very encouraged. Let's put it that way, but it's early days. Yeah. Well, that's what I've heard about him, that he's a, he's that pit bull that you need on the team. He's, you, you, you notice you never see him smile. He's, he's a pretty, pretty tough dude. And I, and I, and I, and I kind of like it. He went against uh, Sergio Ramos, who's still a big old, c- I can't, cause some kids listen hey. to us. I can't use that <laughs> word, but, but man, man is, uh, Man, is is PSG hateable or what? Man, I just don't like any of those players. I, I respect Mbappe for his ability, but he's he's taking on that role of you know, rolling around and and uh, Neymar. Don't get me started on him, right? Am I the only one who completely no. dislikes Neymar? Absolutely. If you, if sorry, I, I was just just gonna say I retweeted a, a clip earlier of those guys and like their antics through the whole game, and it was I think it was about eighty percent Neymar. Just falling on the floor, rolling over, terrible, to fouls, terrible. Just, My it's, it's God, horrible. it's impossible to watch it. that dude, man. Roll He's around. Of, I mean, half of those are half of those didn't even touch him, and I don't understand why he gets this immunity from the referees um, who, who don't book him for, for simulation. He's one of the most brilliant footballers of our generation. I, I will be probably telling my grandkids that I saw him at some point, but quite frankly, he's half a man on the football pitch. The way yeah. he simulates is is so beneath someone of his qualities. It, it's really mm-hmm. a bit shameful sometimes. 
it's just yeah, imp- it's just incredible to me that he still does it. We all saw, you know, 2014 World Cup, and somebody calculated how long, uh, how much time Neymar spent actually ro- like on the on the floor, <laughs> and it was like 14 minutes or like 30 minutes out of the whole World Cup. He was he was on the ground, and I can't believe yeah. it's still happening. Like eight years later or something that we're still talking about it. It's it's terrible. I do not, l- man. Just for that, I don't want them to go far. But, but you know what? With that trident, I don't know. I, I I have a feeling they might be able to win the whole thing, man. Because it's like the first goal, the Neymar pass. Um, I know Bonucci was walking around out there, man. I saw Bonucci taking walks so many times, and we all, like I wanted to touch on Bonucci and his. He slowed down a lot, man. He's not the same one, same Bonucci anymore. We we desperately need a center back to replace him for these Champions League Champions League clashes. But um, you just can't stop that class, you know. Neymar with that quick thinking, and Mbappe with the first touch. They're they're man, those three guys: Messi, Neymar, and Mbappe. But we still could have beat the, them. Um, still could have beat them. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say Chris actually tweeted something last night about missing the. The, um, the BBBC backline. And last night, I think, was the first time that I really felt it. Like, really, it kind of sort of shook me. I was almost sort of looking at it and just thinking, okay, there's literally just Bonucci left. And <clears throat> I know there's people that still love him and, and think he's quite integral to, to our game. But for me, he's of, the, of that backline. He's sort of the last one. He's the first one that I would have wanted to go and I would have wanted, you know, like Barzali, Buffon, Chiellini to have remained far longer than him because he just, I, I don't see any leadership in that team, unfortunately. I don't see any kind of players that stand up and sort of get the team moving again and, and sort of have that kind of influence. Chiellini had it, Barzali had it, although he was a bit more silent. Buffon was obviously the captain, Bonucci. Yeah, I know we've been, him, we've been spoiled by the captains. I couldn't even name you who were the cap who was the captain last uh, last game. I'm I'm guessing it's Bonucci, but the fact that um, at Juve you're 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 not really I don't know, I'm about to dig myself into a hole here. But basically you you always knew who the leader was on the field. And like you said, it's it's no kind of no longer there. I wanted to read a, a tweet from uh from Chris to kind of start a Small discussion here. Uh, by the way, please follow both of our both of our friends here uh, at Ilgobo, two thousand two is Rav, and at I Truth ninety eight is Chris. The simplified analysis of Juve PSG by Chris. There's a gap, undoubtedly, but the, it, it isn't as big as we thought it was. That's what she said. Don't want to make a habit of doing this all season, but it goes without saying that if a fit Chiesa, Pogba, and Di Maria will make us a far better. Uh, team and if you remove someone's heart lungs and kidneys and you can be certain that they won't be operating as you would expect them to it's not an excuse but unfortunately reality of our current situation is the injuries what idiot said that Uh, (laughs) yeah i mean but 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 even even with the players injured tell me this Mm. we should be better right we should it's still a, it's still Juve. It's still a team of able-bodied men, athletes, and what they showed yesterday. And I really hope Danilo's words of yeah, we we know what the problem is. And Danilo really looked shook up, and he was he was clearly rattled after that loss. 
And he just said, listen, we, we promise you to, to do better. And I really hope to see that, honestly. Well, hey, everybody always wants to see just some sort of, of grinta, some sort of anger after a performance like that. And I think that we all feel it. But um, again, it really, to me, just comes down to the overall big picture. And, and while there's certainly so much to be frustrated about at this point, I still look at the results I still think that Sampdoria is, is an unacceptable match and fixture to result in a draw. I still think some of the games that we've we've put forth were just so below what our, our capabilities are. But it is early in the season. And for me, I think I look at how we're, we're, we're missing some of our most influential players and what we can be. And so while that's no excuse in the interim for some of the performances from not only the collective, but some of the individuals, yeah, we absolutely must be playing better. That that goes without saying for me. So when I say things like that, I think I try to assume, I suppose, that everybody is understanding that. But it, it does come off a little bit all positive everything sometimes. And I don't disagree with any of the points that we've made so far at this point. And for me, it really is vital and imperative to keep in mind that while we are patiently await the cavalry to arrive we, we really need to be better at building a foundation for when they arrive so they can provide a boost rather than be saviors to our season because we quite frankly we need them to put us over the top that's really what their their requirement is for i i agree with that i, I definitely agree with that assessment the only thing that i would say is that i think if we I think with Chiesa, his mentality is very much Juve. Like he's the kind of guy that will come back and say, right, I'll put this whole team on my shoulders. I'll do it. I'm going to run extra harder and faster, et cetera, et cetera. With Pogba, he is wilted under pressure. And the idea of him, I know he's sort of come back anyway and sort of, you know, like he's back at the club where he had the most success. But with him, I always feel like you can't put too much pressure on him. And I, and I, I sort of worry, I guess, in, in the longer term that, these guys are going to be sitting on the sidelines watching our performances and thinking, wow, we have a lot that we're going to have to do if, if things are not going to sort of, you know, work out while we're actually off the pitch and then recuperating. But the issue that I have is that <clears throat> with the players that we have in the team right now, and with the summer that we've had, knowing that Chiesa was out, knowing that Pogba was out from about the midway point, we should have had some kind of structure, some kind of formation and some kind of approach in place where we make the most of the players that we have. And I don't feel that we are because we've got amazing, we've got this amazing striker in Vlahovic. We've got a brilliant deputy now in Milik. We've got a pretty decent midfield. I don't think it's, you know, spectacular, but it's pretty good. We've got a brilliant back line. The fullback positions are where we lack, but we've got enough to, to be doing far better. And the performances against Sampdoria and the the game against Fiorentina as well, that kind of stuff is just unacceptable. My, my favorite bigger part, fear. My fa- sorry, sorry, Rob. Sorry, go ahead. I, I apologize. I'm no, gonna I, get some shit from. I, no, no, I, I was just gonna, no, no, no. It's fine. I, the, the only point that I was going to add was my bigger fear is just that the longer that these things keep happening, and the longer that the the language around the club is still about making excuses and sort of saying, okay, well, we got to wait for these players to come back, and PSG are the favorites, and blah blah blah. The longer that that happens, the more the players inevitably are going to sort of buy into that. And the only other thing that I wanted to add was that there was a time when we, we had a certain guy in charge and he put that grinta into the players, but they backed it up. It wasn't like he was 
blowing hot air up their asses and they went on the pitch and then they couldn't back it up. They backed it up every single time. And right now, I don't want to be, you know, like sort of talking about, oh, Juve is Juve, Juve is Juve. They need to back it up on the pitch. We can't talk about Juventus being a big club and being yeah, an exceptional club just, if they're not doing it on image, the pitch. Just the image by now, which is unfortunately yeah. not being backed backed on a field. And did you, did you see how how cheaply we, we lost so many balls yesterday? I mean... That bugged like, me. It bugged me a lot because... Mm. Because it it was so easy for PSG to just swoop in and take the ball away. It's it was embarrassing. Yeah. We're getting roasted all over social media, and you know the way Juve play. People are like, my my dad. He you know he 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 wants them to. He's <laughs> not a Juve. He's never been a Juve fan, but he's he wants them to win because of me. But he's like, I can't oh. watch these games and neutrals just. It's it's rolling rolling the ball around for thirty seconds, forty seconds aimlessly. And then losing it so cheaply, where I, I just don't get it. It's, that's the only thing that bugs me. We can lose, but not even try. I, I can't accept that. Uh, Chris, let me ask yeah. you a question. You, uh, we, we discussed the three five two in the beginning of the game, which everybody was super happy about the three five two. You think it was a smart thing to start with a three five two against uh, against their weapons up front? Shouldn't should I think I I feel like we should have started with a four four two. What do you think? Look, quite frankly, I don't know that there's any formation or or any alignment that could have really negated what PSG's attacking trio was capable of. And I think for me, it, it was probably the best we could possibly have put forth at at least from the outset. In the sense that you look at at how immobile Bonucci has become. Um, and I'm sort of thinking to myself, yeah, I probably would prefer to have him flanked by two capable center backs or, or center back profiles, at least, because Danilo is one of the others. So um, I think at least to to begin the game, I think that the, the ideal scenario for us was to maybe get into half down a goal, um, weather the early storm, mount some sort of effort in the second half, which I think we saw, but it was probably at that point just a little too late or, or a little too out of reach. So I was fine with the initial setup. I think it generally suits us pretty well, especially when we're missing our wide players with no Di Maria to sort of occupy one of the wide areas. I think it it enables us to play with a more of a 3-5-2 flair. And, and for me, I thought we looked okay at times in this setup. I, I just think just based on personnel, it made the most sense. And then as we sort of... Um, began integrating other players off the bench um the, the formations shifted a little bit but for me i was okay with it it wasn't uh it wasn't something that was problematic to me i think the biggest issue for me quite frankly was as you alluded to the sloppiness in passing and i don't really know what what formation allows players to pass the ball better but for me that was a much bigger issue and it's something that's plagued us all season and uh, i've I've probably shared in your aggravation in that from the, the beginning of the season. So, um, But for me, though, I, I think formation-wise, I, I had no real issues, particularly because of the personnel that we had available to us. Right? Uh, at least they tried, right? At least we saw a little, you know, shade of the 3-5-2. Um, speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of the personnel, I want to give a shout-out to uh, Kit Presentable. That's my friend Emerson. He's a very talented rapper. 
that's gone platinum on my phone on my spotify he's the guy you guys hear every day at the end of the every episode at the end i play his well, my favorite track of his um he's a he's an la galaxy fan but he does follow us and he, he's a number one fan of mckinney he's like he he asked me why does uh your fan base continually shit on my boy wes he's clutch uh and it was funny because i started retweeting uh, after the goal i started retweeting the the doubters when they saw that you know uh west weston mckinney was coming out and he was all over the place i i have no problem with him um he probably heard the criticism from his previous game where he he he, he was caught sleeping a couple of times but he was sliding and 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 going for tackles and, and that goal was really good too um speaking of headers i wanted to mention that it it always comes true boys and girls the the old rule i uh, i I always translate it into English, but in Russian means, if you don't score, you get scored on. And Milik, Milik shot straight at the keeper, that, that wonderful cross by Quadrado. Quadrado didn't do much the whole game, but that cross was beautiful, and Milik should have put that away. Shooting right at the keeper is just unacceptable when you have that perfect you know, forehead kiss of the ball, and that should have been, that should have been one one right there. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think um, what Chris was saying about formations as well. I think that was probably the best, the best option that we could have put forward. I think three five two worked because we didn't have Di Maria, so we had to play a little bit cautiously. But I, th- I still think, I think there's positives to to take out of the game. I was a bit harsh sort of yesterday. Then I watched it again the second half this morning. I was like, okay, the, there's things that Kostic did that. I liked. I think mm-hmm. he's, he can be quite a dynamic player. Cuadrado, you know, he, I think he's getting on in years. He doesn't seem the player that he was, even the one that he was a couple of years ago, which is inevitable because the man, he's, he's the getting man older. had top assists in Europe like two years yeah. ago, and then something's it was amazing. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't have it on my fingertips. But did we extend his contract? Because the aging players at Juve, once you set that contract, man, they, they. They give in and they they realize their age all of a sudden. I don't know. Everyone's trying to get paid, I guess. I think it's with those guys in particular, Danilo Cuadrado and and Di Chilio, I think um, we kind of alluded to that in in previous podcasts and and people have talked about it on Twitter as well, that this is the summer where we just kind of have to consolidate financially. We can't afford to go out and make big splashes. It's more economically viable for us right now just to – extend the contracts of the players that we have, get a few more years out of them and uh, sort of lower the wages, which we've done this summer. So maybe next summer will be, you know, like a, a bigger spend. But yeah, I mean, he, like you said, he's he's kind of, he's sort of in and out of games. He can be brilliant and then he can be dreadful for a couple of games. And he, he started to be one of those players, I hate to say it, but the ones that sort of give us one really amazing game. And then a couple of real stinkers, and then another really amazing game. When what we really need are just players that can consistently give us, you know, like a seven, seven and a half out of ten, not like a, a ten out of ten every week. But you know, what can you do? I don't Chris, know. Can I? Ask, can I ask oh yeah. Question? Yes, please. Yes, please. Go ahead. Uh, the, just to, on the Quadrado subject, because I, I think at this point he's he's sitting there, thirty-four years old, as a as a player who predicates his success on pace and mm-hmm. and. Guile, agility, and, and 
and and we saw in so many instances yesterday he just didn't seem to have the confidence to do it which for me was was one of the most mind-boggling things so i don't even know that he necessarily is is compromised physically but mm. if he himself is not seeing that he still has the ability to use his pace to get around certain players i, I mean there were times where where i thought you know he was still able to be a pretty good matchup despite his age against nuno mendez so for me, I, all in all, I, I was just a bit surprised when, when we consider the, you know, the big viral clip now at this point of, of when we're we're pushing forward in big waves. We have four guys in the box yep. and Quadrado turns around on the right wing and with his left foot hammers it back into our deep into our our end with with an aimless pass that didn't reach anybody. So um, I just don't know really where we are with him at this point. He started the season in awful form and although he's one of my favorite players, quite frankly, Panita's kind of appearing to be on the wrong end of of, uh, of the age spectrum at this point. And I, I just worry that um, what we see right now is what he, what he will continue to be. And uh, I think it's a discussion worth having at some point because, um, well, I don't think he's completely finished. I, I fear that this is sort of a sign that he is reaching the end of his race and it's it's a shame because he's going to have to be very important for us for at least the duration of this season until we find capable right back replacements well that's that brings me to a point uh question from mike uh he's my new follow uh really cool dude at juventino mc uh he's asking should sole be given the start against uh Saler- man Salernitana, Salernitana? <laughs> to give some rest to Cuadrado in preparation of Benfica, where it is not certain Di Maria will be fit to play. So, what do you guys, what do you boys think about Sole given a chance? I personally, I haven't seen enough of him, so I, I would, I would feel really wrong to sort of, you know, like big him up and say, yeah, 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 we should definitely do that. I've, I've not seen enough of him playing in in the sort of the, the previous games, but. To be honest, I'm at a point where I think, you know, can anyone do any worse than Cuadrado? Yeah, you know, just, like bring on a young player. That's that was exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Like, we don't want Cuadrado to just disappear in a cloud of dust, like poof, and Cuadrado <laughs> is gone. Just <laughs> because the, the boys, the boy has a lot of mileage. I feel like the youth should be given a little chance yeah. also. But I mean, just just in terms of we've seen in the little glimpses that we've had so far this season, Meretti has has been given this chance and he's just taken it and he's run with it. Yes. And this there's, there's nothing to say that it. another kid. This is yeah. for Meretti right here. He he's he's just been a breath of fresh air. Like I I know that he wasn't brilliant last night, but it's you know like it's a Champions League against PSG, which he he is probably the only player that gets a pass, but. So far, it's just been so good, just as a Juventino, not just in terms of his performances, but the fact that we've got this homegrown player, he's from Turin, he has been one of the few players that's come through the ranks that is actually getting a chance in the first team, and he's actually doing pretty well with it. I know you you can't be too harsh on kids at this point, we can't expect the world from him, and you can't. Like if, if we go overboard on our analysis of him, it's because we've been starved of this for so long. We haven't had any homegrown talent. We haven't had anyone in terms of like a young player to be excited about. But he's backed it up so far. I, I don't know if Chris agrees, but I think he's just been such a exciting player to have on the pitch every single time because he hasn't had that sort of 
he hasn't had any of that excitement coached out of him. He gets the ball. He wants to go forward. He gets the ball. He wants to play the ball forward. He wants to keep getting into spaces. He wants to keep attacking in the final third. He's not interested in, in playing it backwards. And that's just a, you know, it's just a refreshing, enjoyable thing to see for me. I don't yeah. know if you agree, Chris. Or, yeah. Oh, absolutely. He's an injection. And I think that to me is, is what he provides. He's sort of the, the wild card that we've been kind of missing in the midfield. And, uh, you touched on it earlier too. We simply have had a dreadful youth system, and I think it, it it isn't a matter of us not giving players enough opportunities. Quite frankly, I think it's just a matter of us not having any capable talents that can really contribute at the senior level. And now we have a couple, um, with the primary one at this point being Miretti, who has proven that he he can hang. He's capable. He proved it. And I think uh, you know, quite frankly, pardon me for uh, a legby. Um, positives at this point because I think at this point we always have to qualify any anything we say about him but I, I think quite frankly I, I trust the manager when it comes to picking young players and for me if if the assortment was send Rovella out on loan keep Fagioli keep Miretti I think there's a reason for that and I, I do think there would be a reason for him to play or not play Sula too because um, we have these young players now at this point and integrating them was is one of the great tasks of any manager. And for me, if they prove worthy, as Miretti has, I think they will get their opportunities. They just have to be the talents that we want them to be, uh, that we we expect them to be rather than the talents that we want them to be. So um, I'm excited to see what uh, what becomes of, of Miretti in particular, but also Sule too, who stayed. And for me, I, I think... We have those options. It would be nice to give them more than, say, two minutes at the end of the match um, when the, the the result has already been secured or, or lost. So for me, it would be good to see some meaningful minutes for these young players, provided, of course, they are actually earning those minutes. Hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. That's, um, yeah. No. Nope. Our, host, you... our host is muted. You muted, bro. Uh... <laughs> There we so, go. <laughs> that was a good vision. Class, baby. Nine, <laughs> nine years in, 197 episodes, man. Uh, so let's talk about Vlaovic. A lot of people are saying there's two camps. Oh. There's two schools of thought here. Mm. And I want to hear it from both of you. Cause I, I think people had an asshole of me talking now. Tell me, uh, is it him not getting the service that he deserves or is it him not coming for the service that he deserves? At some point, should he go out there and like Iguain kind of like mess around in the midfield or 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 Morata trying to steal the ball himself and not be that and th- it's so sad because that's what we've got to our number nine has to go get the ball himself uh but should he be doing more to request the service should he be doing more because he barely got any touches yesterday and the touches that he got they were you know they were pretty fizzled fizzled out pretty quickly what do you guys think I think um, I, th- I think the system that they're deliberately trying to play, the impression that I got over the summer was they're trying to play 4-3-3 because they want those wide players that can whip in the balls to, to Vlaovic because that's basically what he sort of, you know, survives on is, is balls into the box and, to, and, and getting service. Um, for some reason, I, I don't know what it is. We just, we haven't been a team that holds on to possession, but particularly well for for a while now. We just haven't had that kind of that sort of midfielder that that can, or that midfield in general that can hold onto the ball, that can progress it forward, and then we can just kind of lay siege to an to an opponent. I don't think 
I don't think Vlajevic should be dropping back. I, I think he, we, we didn't buy him to do that. We bought players around him to do that. I, you know, sure, every now and again, if, if things are difficult, he, he can sort of drop back a little bit and help out. But you need that constant threat in the box because we've seen what happened when we didn't have that. We, we didn't really do much. We, we just kind of spent a long time building from the back and playing side to side. And then we, by that time, the opposition has set up and then it's so difficult to break them down. You need that constant sort of threat who plays off the shoulder of the last defender who's always running who's always looking for the 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 right kind of runs into the box you give him the ball he does that but he just doesn't get the ball he doesn't get it enough for me and that's something that if it doesn't change this season it's going to break and i really wouldn't be surprised if you know like he turns around and says okay uh-oh. i've sort of had enough of this i'm just i'm not trying to be too reactionary but no, you see these young players. Already, no, you're not. <laughs> but, you, but you see these young players, and you see them in these setups, and then they just get really frustrated, and they're like, hey, "If it's not working here, I'll go and do somewhere else." And I'm not saying that he is the same as Haaland, but he has similar similar sort of qualities. He's not at the same level yet, but he has that kind of that sort of big burly striker who's fast and quick and runs straight towards goal. And we just don't we don't give him the ball enough. Well, we don't have a system that works around him well enough. I, I don't know if Chris agrees, if you agree, but... What well, do you guys I, think? I, I disagree that you co- you compared Vlaovic to Haaland. I feel like it's a controversial <laughs> opinion, but I feel like Vlaovic is better than, than Haaland. I, know this <gasps> might, I, might, I, might get, I might get clowned, Ouch. but the, the, if you look at overall, uh, overall talent, yeah, Haaland has, has that, you know, locomotive train coming at you mentality, but I'm... I re- I really like watching Vlaovic play, even even with this bad Juve team. I feel like I mean, look at the two free kicks. Tell me, Holland can do those two two back to back free kicks. You know what I mean? That's just my opinion. What do you think, Chris? Hey, quite frankly, I think pre Holland going to City and and being force fed on a super team, I think it was clear that Vlaovic narrowed that gap. So I don't think you're all that crazy for saying so. But um, you know, I, I think. To Rav's point, and I, I want to say I, I completely agree. Just based on this, the summer we had in in terms of their Mercato, I think it became pretty clear that we we're going to be a team that was going to be whipping balls into the box, that we we're going to be feeding our our big number nine, our primary purchase, um, sort of the spearhead that uh, that fronts our team, and and I think that that sort of seemed to be what we were going to be doing, but tactically. Or, or either personnel-wise, we simply haven't been that sort of team just yet. And it confuses me a little bit whether or not this is a managerial request or this is simply just a matter of the players being a bit gun-shy from the wide areas. And we saw even Kostic was, was whipping in volume crosses, a lot of flat balls, though, rather than, uh, than aerials that players like Vlaovic or Mili could really get onto. And so I think for me, one of the great you know, frustrations I have when I watch these early season matches is I see Vlaovic making capable runs and, and either him not being spotted or being spotted too late. I think the the key moment for me when I, I think of that yesterday in particular was late in the match, Keane was, um, was sort of on the counter, comes forward with the ball. I saw Vlaovic splitting the defense with a run. It, it would have been a difficult ball, but it would have been one that I think any, you know, any top top link player would have looked for in that moment. And I saw when he was 
when he was sort of missed, Vlaovic was punching the air in frustration. And I, I think that was an accumulation from a frustrating match where he didn't see the ball much either. But um, that was sort of in in a microcosm, the, the big moment for me where I saw we've uh, we've had a lot of that this season where he just simply has been missed when he's been making uh, capable runs. And I don't really know what the solution is at this point other than possibly just simply force feeding him, do anything to give him opportunities because he simply hasn't touched the ball much. And we all agree, we don't need him dropping deep like Dybala did to try and get involved okay. in the game. I'm glad we discussed so. it. That was, that was a lot of, uh, on a lot of people's minds. And what frustrates me to no end, I mean, I am, my wife literally, like, this was the first game we sit, sat down to watch in a long time. She's a big football fan and she knows the game. I was so mad. She literally left. Um, and I, I apologize. I brought her a coffee after the game. I, I was literally, <laughs> I was so, I was screaming at the TV because, you know, there's this 11 capable players. And if you, like, if our tactic, is to be careful and pick out a pass that will that will you know we 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 lull them to to kind of like um make them lose their concentration and then maybe with one pass to Vlaovic like maybe you you were talking about Keen providing for Vlaovic maybe there's this one pass that splits the defense and we do score and take a risk but we we got we got the careful part down but there's no end product like the coach should sit them down and say, listen, the 15, 20, 15 passes of what I, I called yesterday tiki-taka on, on sedatives. It's, it's like a tiki-taka <laughs> without the actual taka or tiki. It's just the worst football I've seen Juve play in so long. Uh, and then there's, there, there's no, that, no that one person that will take a risk. And we've seen Vlaovic put away goals that weren't even supposed to be goals. And even with Fiorentina, his his ability of create something out of nothing, it was it, he's very similar to Higuain uh, when he moved to, to Juve. And he was so dangerous. Like these passes were were just like, hey, Higuain and hey, Vlaovic, do what you can with this. And yeah. and you know, even the pass in the Villarreal goal that 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 beautiful pass from uh, from Danilo, where Vlaovic got us a goal in the first minute. There should be, excuse me, there should be more of that. Am am I wrong? Like we're we're playing careful, but a whole we're, different we're sort playing, of careful. It's just like it's, something with no end product. It's too cautious. It's just way too cautious. And um, I see it so often in in games recently where. I know that we're, people are going to say, okay, you can't judge a whole game on that. But that little microcosm of, of what Cuadrado did last night, he gets the ball in that great position. There were players in the box. He looks, he looks, he passes it back. The, the forward line become frustrated, but it, it's just too much of it. And I think a lot of it, or what I, what I consider it, a lot of it is the movement off the ball. So often I see players just so stagnant. Their positioning just seems so sort of, you know, they're marked by players. They're not making runs. They're not creating space. And I don't know if it's because they've gotten used to doing that because we, we haven't had the midfield that can provide them the kind of passes to to get into space and then know that they're going to get the ball there and then create something out of it. But it still just feels so 
sort of slow and like laborious and, and everything that we do when we try and build up to scoring is so like side to side to back to front to blah 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 it's not sort of okay someone in the final third has got the ball let's quickly try and create something out of this it just feels way too workmanlike and that i think has to change i think there's all these little tiny things that are affecting the team as a whole and all those things need to change together and when they kind of click into place then everything will start working again but at the moment i think we we just need to work on all these little tiny things and, and bring everything together. How, how can you well, be excited to be a player on that team? You know what I mean? It's it, at the end of the day, it's, it's football, it's fun. You're, you're there to score goals and, and challenge the opposition. And I can't imagine players are happy playing under this, this, you know, this, this play that puts you to sleep. And, and you, you find, mm. I find myself, you know, being on social media, and I and I had the iPad next to me with the other games going on, and then I look at these players that I I, I look at these teams playing uh, Manchester City, and I know that you know I forgot who they played Valencia or something. They lost four zero, but at least there was there was something for the fans to get excited about, and I see at, at these teams that are running and passing forward and counterattacks are are quick, and I'm just like, but this should be us. Yeah. Sorry, Chris. I Chris, sorry. What were you going to say? Yeah. Oh no, I, I was just going to say that for me, Vlaovic is a is a half chance striker. We're one of the yep. the lucky teams in Europe that has a striker that is capable of scoring half chances and converting them at a a high rate. So for for me, I think, and I think I tweeted this yesterday. We, we have a thoroughbred, and mm-hmm. it's such a shame to me that we keep him in the stable by not providing him with. Um, you know, some sort of competent level of, of service because it doesn't really require much for a player like Dushan to to convert opportunities. So Thank you. I, I yeah. think that's, that's one of the great mysteries uh, that we've seen so far in the early days. But at the same time, I think that will be Allegri's biggest, um, his biggest challenge, I say, is, is finding ways to further integrate Vlaovic into the game flow. And th- there can't be these matches where, He's sort of marked out of the game and, and not given opportunities on the ball. It just can't happen. And I don't know that that's entirely a managerial issue. I, I think that also comes down to the players on the field needing to locate where our danger will come from. And quite frankly, I don't know why we're, we're abandoning the vertical passing game as well, too. That's something that allows Leo Bonucci to add value to his time on the pitch, despite whatever issues he has mobility-wise. And I don't know why we we no longer employ that sort of build-up approach because, quite frankly, it was putting a lot of pressure on oppositions of all levels, be it uh, in the Champions League or at the Provinciale level when we were playing in, in Italy as well. So I, I think we just need to manufacture opportunities and touches for Vlaovic at this point as if, uh, you know, as if you were an NFL coach trying to get your, your star running back more opportunities out of the backfield, you, you need to find ways to manufacture touches for Vlaovic, simply put. Yeah. yeah. The, sorry, the thing I was just going to ask you guys, and I know this this might be sort of romanticized in the past, but the way that we're playing right now, it, the the largest sort of malaise, that the kind of discontent that Juventini seem to have isn't entirely about the results, but it's the way that we're playing. 
And I went back and just randomly watched the game a couple of weeks back when we played against Sampdoria. I think it was a season opener and Tevez was there. And okay, it wasn't electrifying. It wasn't like Barcelona or like peak uh, Manchester City or anything, but it was still good. It was just really enjoyable to watch. And I was like, okay, we we had these players that weren't world beaters, but we had some world-class players in other positions. But everything was faster. It was inventive. Like players were running forward. Players were looking to score. They were looking to pressure. And the opposition just didn't have a clue what to do with us. And like I said, it was Sampdoria. And I know they're not a, a great sort of like barometer of, of like a, in terms of Juve playing well, but we had this kind of swagger to our game. There was this, just every player exuded confidence. Like, you know, we're Juve. We're just going to come here and we're going to beat you. And the players just don't seem to have that. And I'm not talking just about the PSG games. I'm talking about the smaller games, like when we played Sampdoria the other week, who have since been beaten countless times. But they had that, belief in themselves because we didn't have belief and i don't know if it's a mentality thing i don't know if it's a coaching thing i don't know if it's the person (laughs) i don't know if it's the players and it it just feels like and again i'm going to kind of go on a little bit but there was a point a couple of years back when the players had this lack of confidence they had this lack of belief everything felt like it might fall apart the senior players stood up like buffon evra was there at the time chiellini bonucci barzali all these players stood up and said right we're juve we will not settle for this. We're not going to lose the title in the last couple of games. And it gave them a kick up the ass. And they got together and they ended up winning by, you know, whatever. It didn't end up being a contest. But I look at that team now and I think, who's going to stand up? Who's going to do that? We're ages away from that, my friend. We, we I don't know, that, that, and I keep going back to the, um, our business approach and our hmm. willingness to, to be a corporate team other than actual team that wins. But if, if you if you concentrate more on what you're trying to sell as opposed to what how you're trying to play and fill in the stadium, nobody, why would you want to spend all of that money to go watch that team play? Tell me. I, I think so much of that. Sorry, Chris, I, I'm just going to say real quick, but I think so much of that is just modern football. You have to do it. You either do it or you don't. If you don't do it, you get left behind if you if you do it but you my can point keep up the is you have or... to concentrate on on your achievements on the field and all of that stuff will come completely hmm. i i you know what I, I don't think that you've you've put a foot wrong in anything either of you have said about this subject in particular especially and i i think it's about finding a right balance in in both growing the brand that allows us to compete commercially on the grand stage, which is something that, uh, you know, in the early Conte days, we only dreamed of when we actually had the team that was capable of it. So it's about finding that balance. And quite frankly, I, I, I look at the big picture again and I say to myself, what has brought us to the current situation that we find ourselves in? And Agnelli is, he is my king. I do everything that I do to back him because, quite frankly, I don't, th- I, don't, I don't see that we are in the position that we're in nine titles later without him. I, I do think, though, in reflection, that when we, we think about the years that have uh, just sort of befallen us the last couple seasons, I think a lot of that really does fall on to Andrea because when I think about um, why we're here, the managerial instability has been absolutely devastating. It has been something that crippled us from an on-field standpoint. And when you when you hire 
new managers with conflicting styles of football, drastically different approaches to the game, and you try to accommodate that with your summer market, it builds a disjointed team. You go from Allegri, who's pragmatic, to Sadi, who is quick passing, uh, to Pirlo, who is a wide open sort of approach, uh, and then back to Allegri, who is more of a pragmatic manager. And we have three or four disjointed markets, and we have a squad jumbled together that was, uh, quite frankly, signed for multiple different managers. And I don't think that this lack of stability lends to any sort of cohesion or any sort of development of fluidity on the field. And it's going to take a couple of years before we get back to that point. And this is why I'm not a fan of, of moving on from Allegri, for example, because regardless of what you feel about him, what does firing and hiring another manager do for us other than sort of cast us back into um, stage one of this this cycle of behavior? And well, so, there's a certain I, I coach that's available as of like 8 a.m. this morning. <laughs> you know, you know, people are asking for it. I don't know much about uh, Tuchel, but they're saying uh, Chelsea fans commenting on Juve fans online. It's like it's literally the same coach. What are you talking about? Besides, I when I mean, when was the last time Juve's hired a, a non-Italian manager? Italian. Was it 1974? Yeah. Prior to Deschamps coming back, uh, so I don't know. Happen. It's okay. Zidane is plenty Italian. I, I have a feeling. Zidane will end up at Juve again. I can see Zizou being hired by Juve. Oh, that would be so amazing. Same. I think Conte is likely to come back, though, quite frankly. Who? I think I think they will do that. Who? Yeah. Uh, Antonio Conte. Ooh, really? Cat Weasel. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Hey, I, I, I've theorized on this many a time. I think whenever Allegri's run ends this time again, um, regardless of what... what area we're in i think we'll, we'll be a better team when he leaves than we currently are is my prediction but i do think um it may it may work out to a place where we need that attitude adjustment and it may be time to go back to square one and um i mean we've redevelop we've, we've, we've come back to square one how many times in the last three four years man? no I, I think what what chris just said he nailed it he absolutely nailed it we're we're so starved of the, the tactical innovation people are getting to the point where they don't even give a shit about how we play. They don't care about the formations or who's doing whatever they want the fight again. And there's so few managers out there that can just kind of, you know, come in with literally like an injection and just jab all these players and go, right, there's your Grinta. There's your Grinta. Get out on the pitch, yeah. fight, run, fight, run. That's what he does. No, that's, that's exactly that's, what he it's, does. It's insane. I mean, we, we are now cheering any sort of, Any kind of a, 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 a fuck's sake. Yeah, no, no, I know, I know what you mean. Like any kind of sort of moment where they suddenly kind of come together. And yeah, run and, and you're work like, oh, and okay, like... we're we're back, and then we go back to playing. I mean, any kind of tackle in midfield, and I saw uh, McKinney doing that, and Miretti. By the way, Miretti's yellow card was such bullshit too. Uh, again, that goes was. goes back to uh, PSG players running around, uh, rolling around for no reason. Uh, I, I guess there is a reason to get to get Bremer booked or to get to get Locatelli got booked also and it's half of those yeah. yellow cards were were BS but yeah i mean we're like you said we're so starved for any sort of grinta any sort of uh juve of old it's it's becoming yeah. i mean we, let's not forget how we started out the back yesterday it's Perin to Bonucci and then back and then boom in three passes within three passes we don't know what to do next and then we'll lose the ball and then 
And it, it's just pathetic the way we played yesterday. It's, I'm, I'm sorry. First half, second half, I don't care. Unless you're coming out of there with a win, which, again, I, it, it could have been done. There was just no effort towards it. There's no, uh, again, I, I'm, I'm going to go back and forth with it. But, yeah, it's, we are, we're desperate for any sort of uh, Juve showing their balls again, you know? <laughs> um, Absolutely. Effort is not a skill. And that's something that any player is capable of. So, and I say that all the time. Like, if you take if you take the top ten players from top twenty teams in Europe, right? Like, choose the best players of Juve, and compare them to top ten players from I don't know Chelsea or or whoever else. That there's there's skill in everyone. They all learn the same football. Like, there's a reason they're all top ten players on a team. It, to me, it feels like the difference is of what the coach tells them. Because nowadays, mentality of a team matters so much. That's why we didn't believe in Juve coming back from 2-0. But they may, there may be a team out there whose fans believe, oh, we're two down. Our coach got it. Our coach is going to say a couple of things, move, up, move a couple of players here and there, and we are able to come back. But the fact that we are now... Uh, we are now living in an era of Juve where players and fans don't believe they can come back from 2-0. 2-0, who said that? Capello or whatever? Uh, 2-0 is the most dangerous score in football. But yeah. not with Juve. Yeah. But we score one and that's it. I mean, our coach is fine with that with that loss. I just I just don't like that, that this is our but motto now. That goes back to the mentality again. When... And I hate to say, I'm not picking on Allegri or anything like that because I'm not ready to lose him just yet. But when the coach is out there saying that kind of stuff in press conferences, I, and I go back to it, I know it's about mind games. But what kind of mentality does that send to the players? Now, what kind of mind games? What kind saying? of mind games is it? That it's more mind game yeah. on your own team than than on PSG. You know, sometimes it's not okay being too honest. You can you can you can think whatever you want, Allegri. Where you can, I know he's he's a very smart man. I'm not. I'm not disrespecting him in any way. But you can tell maybe your your three players in the, on the team. Listen, they're stronger. Don't come out and say it in public. It it embarrasses your team. Sometimes it's okay to give cliche answers in pr- in press conferences. You know what I mean? It really bugged me. I yeah. really did not like that that whole attitude. Oh, where we the the important game is against Benfica. No, PSG is PSG is more important because the first game right out of the gate you show players you show the fans you show the opposition that we're not here to fuck around you can't tell players yeah. that 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 game that we're gonna play soon that's more important don't worry about this one really bugged me um i there's some a couple of things i wanted to mention before we wrap up here and boys you guys are awesome you guys are the best uh i wanted to mention that you know juve um authorized us uh, Giovanni and I to be the presidents of the fan club of Chicago. We've, oh wow! We've gone official, baby. Congratulations, guys! Thank you, sir, thank you. Yeah, it's it's that good. is awesome. That's me clapping, but <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of hands. <laughs> there be no, be no confusion. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. If you live in the Chicago area, please reach out on Instagram at Turin Giants. Uh, just DM me; I'll add you to the list. We need. Minimum of twenty members. We we got that already, and um, yeah, it's gonna be a fun season. Hopefully, we'll start getting the the meetings back together again, and um, yeah, 
Camiras, Giovanni. Giovanni, man, he's, he's, he's excited about this one. Uh, and also <laughs> Ray Hudson. Uh, those of you who watched in North America on Paramount+, Plus, uh, we saw the return of Ray Hudson. He's now part of Paramount+. Plus. We've missed him. There's a couple of magisterials out there. There's there was a he he. I even wrote a couple of things down. He called the PSG attack three headed monster, uh, and I feel like that's, <laughs> that's perfect. He, he uh, yeah, Ray Hudson was and uh, Matteo Bonetti and Dreco Dreiro and and Mark uh, uh, Marco Messino. He's they're they're all awesome. Paramount Plus just needs to add a pause button and and the app will be will be fine. Uh Chris, we're gonna. Case, I like it. Chris, we're gonna we're gonna hear from you more this this season, right? Absolutely, you guys are family, of course. Awesome. Oh. Uh, anything <laughs> else you guys want to touch on? I feel like this was a this is one of the most packed episodes we've had so far. Uh, the only thing I was gonna say, just I hate ending anything on a negative note, and I feel like I, I've been pretty negative about stuff. But you just gotta keep the faith. I think you know football the the whole point of watching Juventus it shouldn't become like a pain painful set of experience like obviously we're all obviously invested in it but just keep the faith because they have the players they have the talent and at some point I don't know when it's going to be but at some point everything's going to click into place and we're going to be back to to how we used to be so don't give up uh, just yet you're so cute <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree but I I don't know. I'm I'm one of those who's losing faith, man. You guys need to pull me back. Chris, what do you think? Where <laughs> where do you stand in the hopeless slash hopeful Juve fan? Where where are you? Oh, I think you know where I am. I'm always on the positive side. But at, at this point, um I'm looking for reasons to be encouraged, reasons to feel positive about things that I'm seeing too. So uh, it's not all doom and gloom, but it's not all rainbows and butterflies either. So we, we have to sort of pick our shots when uh, I think we want to be overly, critici- uh, overly critical about what we're seeing. And, and there's plenty of reason to be critical at this point in the early days. So if we're still talking about these problems in November, December, then I think we have major issues. But we saw last year after that Atalanta loss, we reeled off a long stretch of, uh, of undefeated run. Uh, and for me, I just want to see us get to November, December in good shape, decent form. And then once the reinforcements arrive, I'm really excited for what's to come. But we need to be within striking distance. And all of this means nothing if we keep dropping, uh, you know, if we keep dropping points to Provinciale teams on the way there. Yeah, well, the situation in Serie A is not that terrible. The difference between Atalanta, who are in first with 13 points, and us, who are in seventh seventh place, are is uh, four points. They got 13, we got nine. Uh, Inter is right below us, where they belong. Uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be a fun season, man. Look look at that top look at that top five: Atalanta, Napoli, Milan, Udinese, Udinese with a with a with a surprise, huh? This is gonna be one of the I I, I feel like it's gonna be one of the most open title races in a while. So uh, I I still believe we're gonna win it. I still believe we're gonna oh, okay. win it. Interesting. But, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So where do you get your drugs? Rav, <laughs> just down the road, there's a gut. No, I'm making <laughs> I'm just, I'm just <laughs> oh, man. yeah, man. Serie A is definitely we, 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 we did drop some points, a lot of points, man. We could have been a number, number one place right now, but you know, 
it's all good for now. One game lost in Champions League. Uh, I just I just recapped the, the, the table for you guys. So it's not that terrible. Thank you guys for giving me a little bit of hope. Um, uh, one last thing I wanted to mention. I, it's, it's a moment I'll never forget. It's when Mbappe is starting an attack in the second half. And who meets him? Who... Who's the monster who's going to meet Mbappe? De Chilio. De Chilio versus Mbappe was, was the top, one of the, one of the top things I've ever seen in my life. It was, it was comical. It was sad. It, was, it, was, it gave me a lot, of, a lot of emotion. But, <laughs> yeah. It was Gallo's humor playing out on a football field. It's, it was Absolutely. comical for sure. Yep. Boys, listeners, everybody, much love to you all, everybody who wrote in. Thank you, guys. We'll keep the faith. This was a great episode. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, be kind to each other. Um, just enjoy the last few weeks of this beautiful weather because it's depression time is coming. So we we, we have to we have to make sure we're taking care of each other. Chris, Ralph, love you boys. Forza Juve. Forza Juve. Forza Juve. We out. Maybe we should only be friends right up to the sun.